Hello and welcome to This Shit Really Happened, the true crime podcast where we deep dive into the most disturbing, depraved, and downright gruesome true crimes in history. My name is Em. And I'm Autumn. And we are your hosts. Hello. Welcome back. I'm back. For the second time in a row, again, <laughs> I know you're. Um, what did you say last time? Like barring your mental health, <laughs> literally. Be back I mean, or not. last weekend was a little bit of a shit show, but we're here. Hey, you made it. <laughs> That's all that matters. You gotta hold steady though for another week because this bad boy's a two-parter. So. <laughs> I'm keeping my ass in a house. I know. <laughs> we're about to get snowed in anyway, so I know perfect. that's really as true. As long as no shit pops off, like in my phone, maybe I'll just turn off my phone. Honestly. That might be the move. Because I have a weird feeling that a certain individual might try to... Yeah. I feel like the likelihood of that is pretty high. Especially if said person does not stay the fuck in the house, which they never do. So, I would have a... Uh, my, uh, my bullshit meter is reading and, very likely. And the person that I was talking to about this situation that is yeah also in yep that person is going to see the other person oh yeah 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 Yeah, there's a lot of shit going down guys like (laughs) (laughs) it's just not a good idea for autumn to leave the house in any way well i'm gonna bring it up to this person yeah can we not do that (laughs) wait 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 hold on pump the brakes (laughs) pump the brakes pump the brakes we need to pause on all of that because that's Mm -hmm. doing too much Mm -hmm. So I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to turn it off. I'll see y'all on Monday morning. I'll see, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll see y'all on Monday morning. I am going complete blackout for the weekend. It's Won't all that matters. Me. Will not catch me. I don't got shit to do on Saturday. Yeah. Fuck it. Tomorrow I've got work and then nothing. Yup. Same. And then Sunday I'm supposed to go to my brother's. So like. I got to do laundry this weekend. I was going to do it last weekend, but then I was busy both Saturday and Sunday and so I did not get around I have so much fucking laundry to do it's there's a giant pot all I have four laundry baskets and all four of them are full right now because I refuse to put my laundry away so all my dirty clothes are just in a heap on my floor mine so I have three baskets every time I do so two of them are full of clean clothes Every time I do laundry, I have, they're all full with clean clothes. And I come back and now I need to spot for my dirty clothes. Yeah. Yes. So what I do is I take the basket and I dump it out in my closet. <laughs> so now I've got this giant Just hill <laughs> of clothes in my closet. And my one hammer is for dirty clothes whenever I come back. <laughs> it's literally like. And Dude. I was looking for this one pair of shoes and the bin was like at the top of the closet and there was a like old comforter. Yeah. The like marble one mm-hmm. was in top and I literally like, cause I was rushing and I tore it out. That's in there. The bin is like sprawled out on the ground in the closet <laughs> and I didn't even find the shoes. <laughs> all of that for nothing. Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, as, as y'all can, can imagine our lives are going very great right now. Hey-o. <laughs> So, uh... And we started off this podcast with some juice. Oh, yeah. Ooh, the cookies. And the cookies. We got those. What are they? Like, they're Pillsbury, right? 
are they? Like the little like sugar cookies. Around the holidays they come out, you know, yeah, with like the little pumpkins and a ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you just literally break them, put them on a baking sheet, bake those bad boys, pull them out the oven. Mm. But make sure you bake them for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Anything longer, they are going to be hard as a fucking rock. 10 minutes is a sweet spot Mm because then you let them, you let them cool off for like five minutes. They're still a little warm when you pick them up. Mm. Mm. Delicious. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Pro tips. Yes. Pro tips. Gotta do it that way. You're welcome. So if anybody makes those and you can't figure it out, 10 minutes. Yeah, 10 minutes, let them rest for five, mm-hmm. and eat those motherfuckers up. Mm-hmm. They're yep. so good. Yep. So Promise good. you, you're going to have a stomachache afterwards. Oh, mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Well, just don't eat fucking six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them in one I'm sitting. I'm pretty sure I had five. Have like, one, yeah, have like one <laughs> or two. I'm pretty sure I just had five. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. You're like, I'm going to eat two, and I'm going to take a couple with me. <laughs> yeah, so eat like one or two at a time, or else. I'm about to get up and go give me some more. <laughs> <laughs> or else you will literally be regretting all of your life choices if you have more than that. But, anyways. So we got we got a little news for you guys. I guess I did a little update on oh, the Instagram. Oh my God, the news. Yeah, I guess it's kind of it's kind of like news. It's news to them. This is the first time they're hearing about it. Yeah. But so we did a little. We talked about it on one of the earlier episodes. Where we were like, let's make merch. We should make merch. Now we've got a merch. Now we actually have a merch Site. store. A little mm-hmm. website. So if you go on the Instagram, <coughs> you know, at TSRH Podcast, there is a nice little link tree link in the Instagram bio, and you click on the little merch store. Um, I did not spend the fucking $5 a month they're asking for to change our domain name, so it's the just default whatever, mm-hmm. but it's legit. You guys mm-hmm. can go on there. We've got t-shirts, like unisex t-shirts women's t-shirts long sleeve t-shirts crew necks hoodies and i only have like two designs up there right now um because i'm just i was just kind of testing it out because it's a fucking it was i'll be honest with you i was a pain in the ass to try to upload those designs so if any of them are fucked up i'm sorry i tried my best (laughs) (laughs) i really did my best it won't be fucked up when you get it yeah so like i'm currently wearing a hoodie this one is a titty soup one titty soup Tea soup. I, I, what was the other one we said we were going to make into a shirt? I don't remember. This was last one. I said, oh, I should write that down. Oh, uh, well, it I forgot. Uh, we'll listen to the last episode and figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that are up there right now are the what the fuck ones. Mm-hmm. And then there's T-H. just the basic TSRH one. Um, and then on the back, they all say, this shit really happened. Mm-hmm. And nice creepy lettering. Oh, and Emily updated the... Oh, yeah, we have Thanks. new, like, um, cover art. Because, like, the mm-hmm. old one was, like, all right, but I like this one a lot better. This mm-hmm. one's a lot more, like, minimalistic and a lot mm-hmm. more streamlined. I just think mm-hmm. it looks nicer. So tell us what y'all think. It if you... looks more mature. It does. It really mm-hmm. does. Because the other one I honestly made when I was just kind of, like, dicking around and deciding if I was going <laughs> to do this or not. Um, but then I actually, like, took some time and put some thought into the one that's on there now. So I hope y'all, what did you do? I don't know. My figure's free. You know when you, like, randomly get a cramp somewhere? <laughs> Random cramp This one is, like, right here. And, like, your <laughs> palm knuckle? <laughs> I've never. Am I getting old? <laughs> is this what old feels like? Is this what it feels like to get old? <laughs> Fuck, dude, maybe. <laughs> I always forget that we're, like, as old as we are. I'm like, what are you? I'm 19. <laughs> literally. Didn't I just graduate? I know, literally. <laughs> Will I be going to my high school reunion in two years? Fuck, no. absolutely not. I don't want to see none of y'all. No. 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 Absolutely. The- Hell no. Honestly, though, I will go if it's an open bar. No, I won't. That's I, the I, only way you'd catch ooh, me there yes. if it's, there was free liquor. I'll go if there's an open bar, 
and then we have to go drink as fast as we can and then leave. And then go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then go somewhere else. Yeah. That's the plan. Bet. Uh, <laughs> we'll be like, we'll just be the ones that are like sitting at the bar talking to ourselves and be like, shot for shot, bitch. Shot for shot, bitch. Let's go. Let's did you go. see, when I still had Facebook, did you see in the, um, our classes like Facebook thing, they were like, we're thinking of a class reunion and somebody said we should just do it at the bar. I commented, I said, well, considering that the majority of our classes I saw alcoholics. that, that was so funny. <laughs> They'll be at the fucking bar anyways. Literally. We would just, so you maybe walk we in, should go up there, order like 10 drinks and then dip. And then dip. No, seriously. <laughs> it's like, honestly, you go to the bar on any given weekend and you probably spot like a, <laughs> a fuck ton of people from our graduating class not anyways here, that are though. just there. Not up here. Yeah, not up here though, but back you know, out there, you go they back to all the hometown. And they all do a little, a little, little, uh, but they nose, live, nose they, powder, <laughs> but they live off of that shit. I know. Y'all. Wouldn't catch me. Y'all. Anyways. All right. So. Enough of the reminiscing. I know. I know. <laughs> we, we just, we just really get off track. I know you guys probably skip this intro anyway, but <laughs> if you listen, Sorry, if you no listen and actually like, give a shit about, you know, these, these little just intros where we talk about anything and fucking nothing Honestly, at the same this time. this is what keeps it kind of interesting. I feel like it gives it a little bit of... Yeah, like, what are we yeah, going to introduce life. the podcast with this time? I don't know. Whatever the fuck is going on in our lives that I feel like talking about real quick. A little but, spice in life. Spice. <laughs> but, as I mentioned in last episode, the case that we're doing today is Albert Fish. Does everybody appreciate how Emily just got real, like... <laughs> she was like, she was like, so now so, what we're doing? Yeah, we're trying to get real podcast. I know, right? <laughs> the podcast always turned on. But no, we're gonna cover. We're gonna cover Albert Fish. And if anybody, if you know this case, you know what we're in for. But for anybody who is not familiar with this case, first and foremost, I'm sorry. Because this one is arguably probably the most fucked up thing we have covered to date on this podcast. Pause. I need cookies for this. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna vamp in the microphone real quick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll take one. Honestly, those cookies are so good. I they're you can literally eat like a million of those things and they're amazing. But then you eat too many and then you're I like, four, I have a stomach. So. Four. Okay, I'll I guess I'll take two. <laughs> um, but yeah. So. Ow! Jesus Christ. Um, for this case, there is a myriad of fucking trigger warnings. I don't even know if I could go over all of them. Um, but the biggest ones this case does deal on in the murder of children. Um, there are mentions of cannibalism. There is a lot of really gross sexual deviant things that happen in this. Like, I'm not kink shaming, but I'm fucking kink shaming. Um, Albert Fish was just in general a really fucking gross human being. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry in advance. Is the main murder victims, are all the murder victims kids? Yes, they're all children. I'm... So dumb. What, what are we going to say? <laughs> You're mid-chew? <laughs> Just like, so awkward silence. <laughs> um, so then you can kink shame because he has a kink with a child. Well, no, the, the, like the kinks that he's enacting, he is speaking to these two like adults against their will. But like, I mean, if I just like these things that he's into, I feel like are just 
like inherently gross but like if two consenting adults are doing them like whatever you know i'm not gonna yuck your yum but i'm gonna yuck your fucking yum because this shit is fucking king shaming i'll be the first one to yuck your fucking yum i will yuck your fucking yum (laughs) like if you're into this shit i'm sorry but ew (laughs) i'm I'm not sorry i'm not (laughs) all right so yeah, just please, if if you're not wanting to sit and listen to this episode this time, 110% don't blame you. I'd say we'll see you in the next one, but the next one is part two. <laughs> if you hear the jingling, it's a cat. Yeah, I put Christmas... Oh, that's oh, okay. Carter. I put a little elf collar on him, just full of little jingle bells, so you guys are going to get little jingles in the background. Yeah, he's like a little... He's like a maraca. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, so... We are going to start this off as per usual. We're going to get into Albert Fish, a little bit about him and what the fuck he was about. So, you know. I'm to take this off of him. Okay, take it off of him. Just pull it. It's got Velcro. You can just pull it off just him. Just because if he's going to be up here, I'm going to be pending. Yeah, him. that's very true. Tree. It's going gonna, it's gonna to jingle a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, all right. This is your last chance, people, to bow out because we're, we're starting. <laughs> as Carter's tail is bonks into the microphone a, little, a couple times. That it's, is Carter's tail. Carter's tail ASMR in the microphone. <laughs> he's got happy tail because he's happy guy. Listen. It, listen. In the, it, 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 okay. Hey, he, <laughs> he's just going to throw his big, fat hog body into you. <laughs> all right. Fuck it. Here we go. So. Albert Fish. He was born as Hamilton Howard Fish. He was born in Washington, D.C. on May 19, 1870 to parents Randall and Ellen Fish. So this is kind of an old-timey case. We're going we're going back a little... Old-timey. Yeah, his fucking name was Hamilton. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton Howard Fish. Yeah, this is... Amy Howard. Hammy Howard. That's what I call him. Hammy. <laughs> no, it's so funny because, like, he changes his name to Albert because of a nickname that he got in, like, middle school that he hated, which I think you'll get a kick out when I tell you what the nickname was. Um, but Albert Fish's father, Randall, he was American of English ancestry, and his mother, Ellen, was a Scottish Iron American. His father was 43 years older than his mother. Good God. And his dad was 75 when Albert was born. Good fucking lord right well, it was the 1800s that old Dude, man that's stop. no like that's to be 75 like i feel like people did not live to 75 and yeah, like the 1800s bad. but that old man was fucking carter like <laughs> you're gonna have to get down if you, you just push him down honestly just push him down okay now we're gonna lay <laughs> now we're gonna lay so albert was actually the youngest child of his parents all right all right they had get had <laughs> i think they had more children then are what are named in this because it just says he had three living siblings so i'm mm, assuming he had so a few that died. died um but he was the youngest and his living siblings were named walter annie and edwin so hamilton changed his name to albert um this was the name of one of his deceased siblings and he wanted to change his name because he was given the nickname ham and eggs while he was living in an orphanage where he spent 
a pretty large majority of his Wait, childhood. Wait, why was he living in an orphanage? You'll find out. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they called him Ham and Eggs. <laughs> That's funny as fuck. I'm glad to know that even in the 1800s, kids were still cruel as They were fucking brutal, dude. They had nothing better to do, so they just literally fucking, <laughs> roasted the fuck Literally out of roasted ham the fuck and out. Eggs. Ham and Eggs. Your name's Hamilton. Ham, ham and, and Eggs. eggs. <laughs> um, Albert's family, they actually did have a pretty broad history of mental illness. His uncle had mania. One of his brothers was in a confined in a state mental hospital, and his sister Annie was diagnosed with what they just called a mental affliction, which like back in the day was honestly probably her just like being sad. outspoken or just like having a sad day because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. And you didn't speak out as a woman mm-hmm. if you did. She you're crazy. Yeah, right. He also had three other relatives that were diagnosed mm-hmm. with differing mental illnesses, and his mother had had both oral and visual hallucinations so so mom was legit crazy yeah mom's a little bit loony um she wasn't just like a woman (laughs) she actually had yeah she actually probably had a actual mental illness yeah fish's father he worked as a fertilizer manufacturer he suffered a fatal heart attack at the Baltimore Potomac Railroad Station in 1875. No shit, because he was old as hell. So he died, yeah, he died when he was like 80, and he died when Albert was only five years old. Because Albert well, was born in 1870. Well, shouldn't have had him when you were fucking 75. I know, I said that old man was fucking. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't have a heart attack then. No, but it's just like, if only, like, say, like, his mother never got pregnant with him. The father was dead five years later, so, like, what if, if he was never fucking born... There would be just so much suffering that never happened if this old man just stopped fucking. Like, bro, you're old. Chill out. You're 75. How do you still even get your dick hard, dude? And why is your wife enjoying that? Uh, she probably wasn't, but women didn't say, couldn't say no back in the day. It was if your husband wants to fuck, you're the, fucking. I would have been one of those crazy ones because I would have been like. Yeah, bro. They would have probably. Who, who's going to marry a 70-year-old? <laughs> me I, no <laughs> if this was back in the 1800s you wouldn't have had a choice i would have ran the fuck away <laughs> go somewhere else change my name to alberta <laughs> to, to alberta <laughs> so after albert's dad died his mother then put albert into saint john's orphanage in washington and he she was just like oh, she probably women didn't him. work she or they like if they could work their jobs like they didn't have very much so opportunity. What you? you better get you a new husband. I I don't know I don't know I don't think she ever remarried honestly. Um so yeah she she put him into an orphanage and while he was in this orphanage he was frequently physically abused mm. and. Um, now, I said in the last episode, like, when I was talking about this, that he was a fucking freak mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Oh. Because what happened, he would, he started to enjoy oh, the shit. beatings. Oh, he wrought, like, pleasure from them. When he was asked about the orphanage later, like, after he was arrested, after his crimes, he said, quote, I was there till I was nearly nine, and that's where I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have done. So this orphanage, like, really fucked him up. It really, really fucked him up. 
like See, this is also where like nature versus nurture comes in yeah like, i was just gonna say that stayed with his mom do we think he still would have had these weird kinks i don't know i think maybe i i honestly think it could have gone either way because he's he's very clearly like a like a sexual sadist right because like had he not been in this orphanage and experienced those things yeah would it have just happened later in life mm-hmm. would it have never had happened at all because he didn't experience it and he just had thoughts yeah it's a good question mm-hmm. it's like i think that's one of the most interesting discussions to happen when it comes to you know predators and murderers and serial killers when you dive into I their childhood history i definitely it, think it plays a role oh 100 percent but if you think that way, you think that way. Right. So, like, I think it's always, regardless, you could grow up in the, like, the one um, where he lived in the house and the parents were, like, ignoring what the fuck he was doing upstairs to that girl. Oh, the uh, Junko Furuta case. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, no matter what, I feel like those thoughts are always going to be there if... I think, yeah, the difference is, mm-hmm. do you act, act on, on them or not? Mm-hmm. And if you've grown up in an environment where you see... People, like, when he was talking about, like, he saw boys doing things they shouldn't have, he was talking about, like, not only were, like, the adults in the orphanage beating the kids, but the boys were, like, sexually molesting each other in this orphanage as well. Mm -hmm. So, he, everything around him was just bad. Like, when he says, like, that's where I got started wrong, like, he's not lying. This was the very beginning of everything in his life for him. He was real fucked up. She's looking at Lucas like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she likes Lucas more than she likes me. So. She's looking at him like, she is daddy goyle. Aren't you, little bird? She said, yeah, because you're ass and you put things like this on me. Hey, I <laughs> fucking brought you into this world. I will take you out of it. <laughs> she said, because you put scarf on me. But she looks so pretty. You torture me with that. She looks so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so Albert does end up getting out of the orphanage because by 1880, his mother had actually managed to secure a government job and she was able to remove him from the orphanage and bring him back home. Well, too late. He's already fucked up. I know. He's already fucked up literally too little too late in 1882 when albert was 12 he began a relationship with a much older boy um this boy actually worked um it's kind of it's debatable i think because well we'll get into it he he had relationships with boys i'm gonna say not Mm men um but he also was like sexually like predatory towards women as well probably hated women because his mom put him in maybe possibly i don't think there's never like an actual definitive say then i'm sure being gay was like it was still illegal (laughs) illegal and people thought you were the fucking devil yeah no literally so i mean i don't know what his exact preference was because like i said he he did have a specific um um interest in boys, but he still was gross sexually towards women and girls as well. Mm-hmm. So this older boy, he introduced fish to those real nasty, grody little kinks we are talking about. And mind you, right, Albert is 12 
at this time. So he's still a fucking child. So um, the practices, some of the practices that this older boy introduced Albert to were uh, urolagnia. You want to take a guess at what that is? Urolagnia. Sounds fucking Think of like the beginning of that word, like your Fucking pee? Yeah. It's piss drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm king shaming. And then the other one. And then the other one was uh, coprophragia. I think I'm saying that right. Coprophagia. You think one's piss, the other is shit. Yeah, it's you're lying, eating it. You're fucking. I'm not. Do you remember? Um, when was do this? I remember what? Do you remember in high school that uh, what was his name? Like Dino or something. He uh, ate his own shit in a cup. Oh my! Yes. Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah, and he went fucking viral for, and that I other remember. girl who ate her tampon. Who, yeah, literally, who fucking put her tampon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Literally gonna fucking gag. Yeah. Bro. That was like in high school, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Where are they now? Where are they now? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he got arrested or something. He probably did. He was probably he was doing he was eating a shit, and uh, you're telling me that man he was doing something. So fucked. like people do that. Yeah, so um, Albert was doing this shit and being introduced to it, no pun intended, um, (laughs) when he was 12. Ew. So, um, Fish also began visiting public baths where he could watch other boys undress, and he spent, like, if he wasn't, like, in school or whatever, he was at bathhouses just perving on other boys. Like, he spent the majority of his time, like, his weekends, he was at these bathhouses. Throughout his life, he would also, like, write letters to women whose names that he found from um, classified ads and, like, matrimonial agencies. So, like, basically, like, back in this time, like, single women would put ads out in the newspaper for things. Like, if they were looking for, um, like, a man to come help them do, like, some sort of work or a lot of times they could be, like, landlords and they were looking, you know, they had rooms in their house around, so they would put out a classified ad. If a woman was looking to get married, she would go to a matrimonial agency and they would, like, basically post, like, <clears throat> these single women and be like, you know, this is so-and-so, she's this age, this is her address, she's looking for a husband, like, da-da-da-da. Right, like, the 18- it's literally like Tinder in the 1800s. So what Albert would do is he would find names from these newspapers and from these matrimonial agencies, and he would write these women some of the most fucking disgusting sexual letters in the fucking world. Oh, yeah. Like, he, when he would write these letters, he would often present himself as a successful Hollywood producer for some reason. Like, he thought that was going to make women more interested in responding to him. But just the content of the letters, no woman, no person in their right fucking mind is going to... He's a stranger to them. He's pulling their name from a fucking newspaper Mm -hmm. and sending them these things. He was often, like, say he would offer them large sums of money and, like, his undying affection. He's like, I will love you forever. If... You eat shit. Yes, if you do certain services for me Mm. or to me. And the other thing that was really fucked up about this is he would often write about this, like, fictitious teenage son that he had that he called Bobby. 
his letters. Wait, how old are we when this is happening? So this is, uh, this is in his adult life, but okay. I just want to give frame of reference for how mm-hmm. fucked this man is. Okay. So he's doing this in his adult life. Mm-hmm. So this is like the 1920s mm-hmm. that he's writing these letters. Those letters. Oh, the Prohibition era. The Prohibition era. <laughs> I wish they would have prohibited his fucking ass. God Literally. damn. So his letters were very often a delirium of just violent, sadomasochistic fantasies involving some, but like, by no means all of like his favorite kinks and activities. So that's like bondage, flagellation, which is like whipping yourself or whipping someone else and the shit eating. Talk about it all the time. He loved Ooh. talking about eating shit. Ew. So, oh, this is the excerpt that I said I didn't know if I wanted to read it. Read it. Read it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I can't believe I made myself read this with my own eyeballs. <laughs> I don't know if I can you want me to say it (laughs) okay you're gonna okay you're gonna start where it says one such letter read and then that entire thing is it ends with that is how they do it in hollywood so you're gonna read this and i'm gonna cringe the entire time and scene (laughs) (laughs) okay so here's what what do we call this an excerpt an excerpt okay so here it is one such letter read I wish you could see me now. I am sitting in a chair naked. <laughs> it gets worse. The pain is across my back. Let me start over. <laughs> you can't is... even do it. Okay. One such letter read. I wish you could see me now. I am sitting in in a chair. I almost skipped a line. Dude, almost sitting in you. get the fucking shit together. <laughs> I, I wish you could see me now. I am sitting in a chair naked. The pain is across my back, just over my behind. When you strip me naked, you will see a most perfect form. Yours. Yours. Sweet honey of my heart. I can taste your sweet piss. Your sweet shit. Ew. You must pee pee in a glass. No. (laughs) No, not pee pee in a glass. And I shall drink every drop of it as you watch me. Tell me when you want to do number two. (laughs) I will take you over my knees, pull up your clothes, take down your drawers, and hold my mouth to yours. I don't want (laughs) to. See, I told you. And hold my mouth to your sweet honey fat ass and eat your sweet peanut butter (laughs) as it comes out fresh and hot. It's the fucking descriptors. I can't do it. This is how they do it in Hollywood. Yeah. So this was shit that he was writing to fucking strangers. Just women (gasps) who had never met him in his life. And he's like, I want you to shit in my mouth. Straight out of your ass. Straight out of your asshole. Like, I don't even want you to shit in a cup. The fact that he says (laughs) pee-pee. That took me. It fucking took me. I I want you to pee-pee in a cup. Like, are we 12? You know what that makes me think of is how, like... Immature he is? Yes, how juvenile it Mm -hmm. is. And it's, like, that really points to how fucking, like, stunted he was in his childhood. That he's writing these disgustingly obscene things. And he's saying, pee-pee. And he's calling, like, shit fucking peanut butter. Like, that is so disgusting oh jesus christ um there was another letter i have like 
this one I paraphrase because I was not doing this to myself again, but he also wrote to another woman explaining how his only son, Bobby, who didn't exist, he said Bobby had been crippled when he was nine years old and required regular spankings and whippings with a cat of nine tails, which is basically like a, like a, mm-hmm. a flogger with a lot mm-hmm. of different tails. Um, and he described in great detail how the woman should strip Bobby naked and whip him. What the fuck? Later on, when he was arrested, they he was actually arrested after he sent one of these letters to a woman. They were able to, like, trace it back to him. And the police were like, why the fuck do you do this? Why do you feel the need to write these letters to women? And he just very casually answered that he just said it, like, it just became, like, a sort of habit for him. It was just a thing that he did. Like... Like waking up in the morning. Literally. Like, this was just a habit. for It was part of his daily routine. Wake up, brush his hair, brush his teeth, write, write a, a disgusting fucking letter, send, send it, it to a random woman, Ugh. get dressed. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so fucking gross, dude. Yeah, so, <laughs> I know. I, <laughs> I told you not to read that. <laughs> I said, I'll paraphrase. <laughs> like, no, give it here. I'm going to do it. We don't get the full effect without it. I know. It's very true. But I, now you understand. I'm like, I can't believe I made myself read this the with my own eyes. Like, I know he's like I will lay under your booty in, with my mouth open, literally. <laughs> no, that's like, just I'm gonna apologize to you guys for all the gagging sounds. Literally, I'm so sorry. And the fact that he clipped peanut butter. I know, I know. I feel like also sorry that we're laughing so much, but like <laughs> when you're, this is the only way to get through this kind of content. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yes. is to just like, and also if you haven't reach this conclusion yet me and Emily are a little fucked up yeah so. we're a little <laughs> fucked up we are a little fucked up so but y'all are here for a reason and hence you know this right now that's why we made got titty soup and turned it into fucking merch <laughs> <laughs> so fish he started his his crimes like his actual crimes we're going back in time a little bit now so okay. um he started very pretty early by 1890 so when he was 20 he moved to new york city there is where he actually started engaging in male prostitution. So he himself was working as a sex worker. Nice. And not nice. Nice. He used this opportunity to um, begin molesting and raping boys, most often mm-hmm. who are younger than six years old. <gasps> he would lure children from their homes. He would torture them in various ways. His favorite was using a paddle laced with sharp nails and then he would rape them. As time went on, his sexual fantasies with children grew more fiendish and more bizarre. So, backtrack a little. Yeah, we're backing up. Keeping, keeping them alive? Um, that's questionable. He admitted to many more murders than they ever found remains or evidence for but this now ties into the part that i was going to finish any like like there any were of those boys that he was luring out like that's you got that from his confession yes like he would he confessed when he was arrested he he confesses to a lot more murders than he actually like gets convicted of oh, okay. so there's three that are definitively connected to him, mm-hmm. where there were witnesses that saw him abduct these children. Mm-hmm. The other ones, he just um, said he did it. admitted to. Mm-hmm. The other thing, though, with Albert Fish is he has a tendency to embellish. Mm-hmm. So 
there was never actually confirmation of if he actually did these things. But there or was not. no like the little boy went back home and snitched to his parents. I don't think so. No, because these crimes are happening like so like early on that I feel like had these boys gone back or been discovered, mm-hmm. he would have gotten caught a lot sooner than he mm-hmm. did. Um, but then these fantasies that he's having, like, he no longer just wants, it's not enough for him to just rape children anymore. His fantasies often end in murder and the cannibalization of them. No, not cannibal. So the question is, (laughs) yeah, the question is, is are there no remains because he ate them? So, but then there's also the question of, is he just embellishing this because that gets him off talking about and thinking about these sorts of things. In 1898, Albert's mother arranged a marriage for him with a woman named Anna Mary Hoffman, who was nine years younger than him. Of course. And they ended up having six children together. Jesus fucking Christ. Those children were Albert Jr., Anna, Gertrude, Eugene, John, and Henry Fish. In 1903, Albert was arrested for grand larceny. And he was convicted and incarcerated in Sing Sing Correctional Facility. Sing Sing. Sing Sing. um, Albert later recounted an incident, or recounted an incident in which a male lover took him to a wax museum where he was fascinated by what was a bisection of a human penis, and he subsequently became obsessed with the idea of sexual mutilation. Several years later, around 1910, Albert was working in Wilmington, Delaware, when he met 19-year-old Thomas Kedden. He took Thomas to where he was staying, so where he was living, and the two began a sadomasochistic relationship. The only thing with this, though, it is it's unclear whether Thomas was consenting to this. I'm going to lead to no, he was not, just based on what happens after. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm thinking that Albert definitely forced him into this based on what he does to him and also based on the fact that Thomas Kedden was intellectually disabled. Um, After 10 days of basically having Thomas Kedden held captive (laughs) where he was staying, like, um, he takes Kedden out to what he called an old farmhouse. So whether it was like a barn, an abandoned farmhouse, Mm. who knows, he just said an old farmhouse, Mm. where he then tortures him over a period of two weeks. Albert eventually tied oh. Thomas up, and he fucking cut off half of his penis. <gasps> Later, when asked about it, when he was recalling it, he said, quote, I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. His original intention was to kill Thomas Kedden, cut up his body, and take it home. But he feared that the hot weather would draw attention to him. So hot weather means faster decomposition. Mm -hmm. So instead, after cutting this poor fucking boy's penis in half, he pours peroxide over the wound. He wraps him up in a Vaseline-covered handkerchief. He gives him $10, gives him a kiss goodbye, and leaves. So he leaves him alive? Yeah, he left him. Why would you do that? Yeah. So, Fish said that, like, when he left, he took the first train he could catch back home, and he just, like, never... Returned. Returned, never heard of what happened to Thomas Kedden, didn't know if he lived, didn't know if he ever told anybody, and he never tried to find out. Jesus Christ. I know. This man is so fucked beyond, like, the level of fucked. (laughs) 
Jesus fucking Christ. When I said this is probably the worst one we've done so far, I was not lying. Jesus And it just Christ. doesn't get better. It just doesn't get better. There's no point in this, which you're like, who? Relief. It, we started at 100 and we're going to 1,000. So we're jumping to January 1917. Uh, Fish's wife smarts up and she leaves him. Great. She leaves him for a man named John Straub, who was a handyman who was actually living with them. Uh, <laughs> I love that for her. So she started an affair with him and then said, bye. bye the only shitty weird. thing, though, is she does leave all of her children. Aww. So Fish was left to raise all of his children as a single parent. Um, after his arrest, Fish told a newspaper that when his wife left him, she took nearly every possession that the family owned. So, so you left the kids and took everything. Literally, left the kids and took all their shit. Fish, this is around the time that he starts to have auditory hallucinations just like his mother did. There was one instance in which he wrapped himself in a carpet and whipped (laughs) himself with a homemade flogger. And he said that he was doing it because John the Apostle was telling him to. So he was having uh, like fucking. You did ro- not wrap yourself up like a burrito in a <laughs> and fucking, fucking carpet. Logs himself. No, a carpet burrito. Carpet. He's like repent, repent, <laughs> repent, and fucking and a, whipping himself. And a fucking carpet burrito. <laughs> this is this is a trend for him too. So not only is he um torturing, raping doing whatever to other people he also has a history of serious like self-inflicted bodily harm Mm. so this was just one instance where he's fucking in a carpet and he's whipping the shit out of himself damn carpet burrito yeah so he was very clearly struggling with his mental health because no fucking normal person does any of this shit nor wraps himself up in a carpet and whips himself and told them that a fucking apostle told him to do it i may not be Okay, but I'm not doing that. I know. So uh, he clearly had issues with his mental health. He clearly had a huge, a significant amount of sexual perversion, but thankfully he never laid a hand on any of his own children. Mm. So that's the one, the one and the only positive we're gonna find in this case is that he didn't do this shit to his kids. He's like, I can't fuck you guys up. I know, but he's, he never physically laid a hand on him, but he was still doing weird shit around them. Great. So um, he was actually even said to have been quite a devoted father to his kids. Around this time as well, Fish began to indulge in another form of self-harm, which, do you remember last week when I said your clue word for this case was needles? No. So what he does is he likes to take needles and he embeds them into his groin and into his abdomen. Later on, when he is arrested, he's given a medical examination. And they take x-rays of his pelvis, and they found 29 needles embedded inside of him. Like, he was putting them in, like, his fucking, like... can't be comfortable. No, he... A thing that is noticed about him, and a thing that, like, helped people identify him as being the the same person that they were seeing in in these, like, murder cases we're going to talk about, is he had a very strange gait. He had a very strange way of walking, Mm. because it was painful for him, Mm. because he had needles in his fucking pelvis. And he he would sit down very tentatively, Mm. because... He had needles inside of him because that That was put there that he put there because it was one of the ways that he would like torture 
himself. Yes, because he was a sadist. He didn't care if he was inflicting pain on somebody else or if he was inflicting it on himself. He needed pain to experience sexual pleasure. So... He stuck needles inside himself. He also would hit himself repeatedly with a nail-studded paddle. And this one is fucking insane. So he would take wool, like, you know, the material fabric wool. Mm -hmm. He would douse it in lighter fluid. He would stick it up his asshole and then light it on fire. Shut the fuck up. I'm not even kidding. Shut the fuck up. I'm not even kidding. I wish I was kidding. Please sh- What? What? <laughs> are you- I wish- I was joking. Punnily, are you shitting me? Are you fucking shitting me right oh, now? <laughs> he literally made a Roman candle out of his asshole. <laughs> <laughs> people that's like maybe sane and didn't think that was funny maybe you should just turn this off yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. he turned his asshole into a roman candle <laughs> like, he said baby you're a firework and he lit that shit up <laughs> he did insert Katy perry did it insert Katy perry insert firework by Katy perry <laughs> so like I, like I mentioned I did say that Albert never physically abused his children he was still doing weird shit around them he would often encourage him and their friends to actually take that nail studded paddle he had and hit him with it he had his kids do that? yeah he had his kids he, he would like make it up like it was like some sort of game and I think like what he would do is, you know, like, when we were kids, you would, like, you know, I don't, I want to say, like, play horsey, but that's not what the fuck it's called. Like, you would, like, get on someone's back and, like, ride them around like they're a fucking horse. So, I know, I I don't know. I don't know if you ever did that, but. I know kids do that, but yeah. I'm trying to recall if I ever did that. So, he would basically, he would play that game. And he would hand the kids the paddle, and he would say, oh, you have to hit me to make the horse go faster. And so that was his way of, which is really fucking gross, because he got off on that shit. And these are your kids. And your kids and your kids' friends. So he would have them do that. Well, no, Um, there was even so there was even an instance too in 1934. So this is when his kids are grown by this point. I'm. Albert and his son Albert Jr., they actually lived together in an apartment for a short while. So there was an instance where Albert Jr., he walked in on his father standing completely naked in Albert Jr.'s fucking bedroom. And he was, with one hand, he was jerking off. And with the other one, he was smacking himself with that nail-studded paddle in his son's fucking bedroom. 
I'd be like, uh, I gotta go. Yeah, so Albert Jr. walks in on this, and he's just, like, so stunned he can't even say anything. So he just fucking turns heel and walks his ass I would, I'd be like, I gotta go. Like, like, I, I gotta, don't, mm, I gotta leave. I don't know, maybe I'm... Am I hallucinating? Am I hallu- no, seriously. He was like, but the thing is, though, like, this is not the first time Albert Jr. walked no. in on his dad doing some creep shit. So he was probably like, not again. I know, he was like, not again. <laughs> like, he literally says, like, for, like, Albert Jr., he's like, for as long as I can remember, like, my dad just did some really weird shit. Um... So the book I read for this, it was called um, Deranged, The Shocking True Story of America's Most Fiendish Killer by Harold Schechter. Um, There's a quote from that book that reads, quote, he clearly recalled the time back in 1922, for instance, when he and his brothers, Henry and Jean, had been kicking around a football outside the old cottage they used to rent up in Worthington. Albert had just bent down to catch a low kick, and as he straightened up to boot the ball back to Henry, he caught sight of his father standing in the apple orchard on the little hill behind the bungalow. The old man had his right hand raised high in the air and was shouting something over and over. Albert had strained to listen. The old man was shouting, I am crazy. Christ. So he... He was not okay. Yeah, he was... Uh, he was not okay. A hundred and fucking fifty percent not okay. He was not okay. Not okay. Never was okay. Mm-mm. Never would be okay. Like, some serial killers are mentally there. Like, they are all Oh, a hundred percent. They're just, one? like, sociopaths no. and psychopaths and have mm-hmm. no empathy. And they have, like, borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. But some people are just fucking nuts. And this man was one of them. There had also been an instance where Albert Jr. had discovered what he said were a pair of crude homemade paddles, each about two feet in length and bristled with finishing nails, which protruded about one and a half inches from the wood. Nope. So he found these paddles one day and he like pulls them out to, he's like, he's really, what the fuck are these? And he's looking at them and he sees that they are, his first glance looks like they're stained with like some sort of like dark like rusty red paint Mm -hmm. but upon further inspection he says that's not paint that's blood that's blood these things were covered smeared in just like old dried caked blood when albert jr confronted albert about the paddles albert just told him he said quote i use them on myself i got these feelings that come over me and every time they do i have to torture myself with those paddles so it's almost like he is stopping himself from doing it yeah it's like he's trying to punish himself for having thoughts about what he wants i mean it didn't fucking stop him from acting on them but every so often he would get these thoughts that would come over him or he would have hallucinations he says oftentimes that he heard like he thought he would hear like the voice of god or like the voice of the apostles telling him that he had to do these things to him a hundred and ten percent yeah he was he was definitely like he had very real very vivid hallucinations um and yeah it was like he thought it was like the voice of god telling him that he had to do these things so after albert like asked his dad about the paddles that he said that was like the old first and only conversation they ever had about it and any time after that that he caught his dad doing something weird he's, he's like, like he's like i'm gonna head out he's like, mm, <laughs> literally the no spongebob meme he's meme he's like i'm gonna head out I'm head out. I'd be like, I got to go. So we're going to hop to 1919, talking a little bit more about, briefly about his history. In 1919, Albert, he stabbed an intellectually disabled boy in Georgetown. 
he would often choose people who are either mentally disabled, like Thomas Kedden was also intellectually disabled, um, or people who were African American, as he later, he believed that those were like sort of victims that nobody would miss when they were dead. I mean, but it's true. Back then? But it's true. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. So he chose his victims specifically because he figured that nobody would miss them when they Sad were dead. As hell, but... Oh, it's terrible. It's like the same theory behind like people who kill sex workers mm-hmm. is oh they're just a sex worker and no Nobody's one's gonna, gonna care that they're dead. Mm-hmm. No one's gonna miss them Nobody's when they're gonna gone. report them missing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um Fish would later claim to have occasionally paid boys to go ahead and like procure other children for him. So he would, like, you know, flick him a fucking quarter and be like, go, go find me, like, a random boy and bring him back to me. Fish tortured, mutilated, and murdered these young children with what he would call his implements of hell. They were often a meat cleaver, a butcher's knife, and a small handsaw. No, no, no. On July 11th, 1924, Fish found eight-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone on her parents' farm in Staten Island, New York. He offered her money to come help him look for rhubarb. She was about to leave the farm with him when her mother chased him away. She basically came roaring out of the house. Mm-hmm. She's like, get the fuck away from my kid. Mm-hmm. So he left then, but he returned later to the Keel's barn where he tried to, like, sleep there. But Beatrice's father found him and basically, like, beat the shit out of him fuck before yeah. him to leave. Fuck yeah. So this is something that he would do. He would find the child and he would find a way to lure them Mm -hmm. from wherever they were. Mm -hmm. He was spotted doing this very often to the point where he, he had a lot of nicknames, like people, it's said that he was like gray, like the way he dressed, the way his hair looked, the way his, yes. And the way his skin looked, he was very pale, Mm -hmm. very like colorless basically. Mm -hmm. So people would refer to him as the gray man. They also, um, we'll see in one of the cases I'm going to get into, he's referred to as the boogeyman. Um, other people called him, another nickname was the werewolf of wisteria. So he was like just all around and people are spotting him basically, coming like walking by their house or like eyeballing their children and they're like what the fuck but you know and there was oftentimes like what happened with Beatrice Keel that he would try and apparently like what the fuck are you doing get away from my kid and then you try again and then he would try again Mm -hmm. and so like word of mouth was spreading about this gray man Mm -hmm. that was seeing trying to abduct children Mm -hmm. um so this leads into the first like more, like, larger case we're going to talk about. Um, and this is the abduction and murder of Francis McDonnell. During the night of July 14th, 1924, nine-year-old Francis McDonnell was reported missing after he failed to return home after playing catch with friends. And this was in Port Richmond in Staten Island. A search was immediately organized and his body was found hanging by a tree in a wooded area near his home. Francis had been sexually assaulted and then strangled with his own suspenders. Mm. According to an autopsy, McDonald had also suffered extensive lacerations to his legs and abdomen, and his left hamstring had almost been entirely stripped of its flesh. McDonald's friends told the police that he was taken by an elderly man with a gray mustache. A neighbor also told the police he observed the boy with this similar-looking man walking along a grassy path into the nearby woods. 
Francis's mother, Anna McDonald, said she saw the same man earlier that day, telling reporters, quote, he came shuffling down the street, mumbling to himself and making queer motions with his hands. I saw his thick gray hair and his drooping gray mustache. Everything about him seemed faded and gray. This description resulted in this stranger becoming known as the gray man. And the McDonald murder actually remained unsolved until a future murder of a little girl named Grace Bud. When confessing to Grace's murder and that of another boy named Billy Gaffney, this is when Albert finally claimed responsibility for the McDonald murder. First, he was denying. He's like, I didn't do it. I didn't have anything to do with that boy. But he starts... You know, because the one that he gets arrested for is Grace Bud, mm-hmm. and then he just starts confessing mm-hmm. to more and more things. Um, so that is when he finally takes responsibility for Francis's murder, and he confessed that he had intended to castrate Francis, but he could not do so as he had to run away when he thought he heard people approaching. So he just didn't get the chance to do all the fucked up shit he wanted to do to this poor boy because he thought he was about to get caught. Yeah, it's this one is a real doozy. It's real bad. And like I said, it just just, doesn't get any better. (laughs) The contemplation. It like. He just. It's like you can't wrap your head around how somebody could be just so fucking sick. Like he's not like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, hesitated or like. Like, I felt guilty, so I didn't do it. No. No, I was just like, I just didn't have time. This nine year old boy. I just thought I was going to get caught, so I ran away. Yeah, literally. Not like I, like you said, not like I started to regret what I did, so I left him. I just didn't have time to do all the fucked up shit that I wanted to do. I just didn't want to get caught because I wanted to do it to more boys. Mm -hmm. He's so fucked up. So, the next one we're going to talk about is the abduction and murder of Billy Gaffney. On February 11th, 1927, this is a tough one, okay. three-year-old Billy Beaton oh, and his 12-year-old brother were playing in the apartment hallway in Brooklyn with four-year-old Billy Gaffney. Oh. When the 12-year-old left his apartment, both of the younger boys disappeared. Beaton, the three-year-old, was later found on the roof of the apartments. What? No. He was just up there. When asked what happened to Billy Gaffney, the four-year-old, um, the three-year-old Billy Beaton said, quote, the boogeyman took him. Billy Gaffney's body was never recovered. Mm-hmm. Initially, a serial killer named Peter Kudzanowski was suspected in Billy Gaffney's murder. Then um, Joseph Meehan, a murderman on a Brook, uh, mor- I said murderman, a motorman mm-hmm. on a Brooklyn trolley. He actually saw a picture of Albert Fish in a newspaper, and he identified him as the man that he witnessed take Billy Gaffney on February 11th. Um, the old man, Albert Fish, he had been trying to quiet a little boy who was sitting with him on this trolley that Joseph Meehan was working that day. The boy was not wearing a jacket. He was crying for his mother and was dragged by this old man on and off the trolley. Um, Beaton's, like little three-year-old Billy Beaton's, his description of this boogeyman did match Albert Fish pretty, mm-hmm. which is crazy because this which little one? Billy... You took one but not the other? I guess. Maybe he thought he could only handle one. Because mm-hmm. Billy Gaffney was crying and begging for his mom the entire mm-hmm. time that Albert Fish was taking him. So mm-hmm. 
he's probably thinking it's going to be just too fucking much for me to try to wrangle two of them. Two of them. Mm-hmm. So he leaves Billy Beaton and he takes Billy Gaffney. Um, like I said, Billy Beaton's description of this boogeyman matched Fish very closely, which is insane because Billy Beaton was only three years old. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to describe That's Albert crazy. Fish like to a T like that is pretty crazy. Um, there was also descriptions of the child that was with this old man, and that description was spot on for Billy Gaffney. So there was no doubt that this was Albert Fish with Billy Gaffney on the trolley that day. Detectives of the Manhattan Missing Persons Bureau were able to establish that Fish was employed as a house painter by a Brooklyn real estate company during February of 1927, and that on the day of Billy Gaffney's disappearance, he was working at a location a few miles away from where the boy was abducted. Later, after he was arrested for the murder of Grace Budd, Albert Fish confessed in a letter to his attorney what he had done to Billy Gaffney. So I have the excerpt of this letter. I am going to read it. He says, quote, I brought him to the Riker Avenue dumps. There is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the G boy there, stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out of the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took the trolley to 59th Street at 2 a.m. and walked home from there. Next day, about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat of nine tails, homemade short handle, cut one of my belts in half, slit these half in six strips about eight inches long. I whipped his bear behind till the blood ran from his legs. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I struck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to his body and drank his blood. I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body, just below his belly button. Then through his legs, about two inches below his behind. I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off the head, feet, arms, hands, and the legs below the knee. This I put in sacks weighed with stones, tied the ends, and threw them into pools of slimy water you will see all along the road going to North Beach. Fish also described bringing home pieces of Billy Gaffney's flesh. Fish stated he put Gaffney's ears and nose into a stew, roasted his genitals in the oven, and roasted his buttocks as well, which he prepared, he said, with onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt, and pepper. He claimed that over four days, he ate all the boy's remains that he had brought home with him. Ear and nose soup. Yeah, he made ear and nose soup out of this poor fucking boy. The other thing, I didn't put this in the quote, but because we were talking about, like, the way he describes, like, certain things, like PP, and mm-hmm. he calls, like, the penis of these little boys, he calls it a monkey. So he's very immature. Yes. He says they're monkey, and then he calls their testicles, I think, they're peewees. Because in this letter, he said, I took, like, his monkey and his peewees. Like, it's so, it's such a fucking childish way like, to describe an yeah. absolutely horrific act. Maybe he was intellectually disabled. There was fucking, there was a, some sort of stunting of his mm-hmm. mental development, I mm-hmm. think, relating back to the orphanage, the orphanage and mm-hmm. what happened. Because, like, the age he was there, he was there from, like, five to nine. Mm-hmm. That is a huge developmental era. That is, like, prime developmental 
period in your life. A huge portion of your personality is developed. Then. In that age range. So, Especially if you're getting your ass beat. Right, if you're getting your ass beat, if you're seeing boys rape and molest other boys in this orphanage. Like, I say this all the time, like, when we talk about these people who had these hurt, but he never stood a fucking chance. Mm-mm. He was, not only did his family have this history of mental illness, so he's mm-hmm. fucked with that, because mm-hmm. this is the 1800s early 1900s there's no fucking help for that no. they're gonna lock you up and put you in a mental institution for the rest of the they may fucking maybe down a couple years lobotomize you mm-hmm. but there's no help for that yeah shock you till you're a fucking vegetable mm-hmm. but there's no help for that and that piled on top of everything that he was experiencing in those crucial developmental years of his life there was no other way for this man to turn out Mm-mm. there was no other way Mm-mm. So he never had a fucking chance. And sadly, because he was like this, these poor kids that came across his path never had a fucking chance either. Damn. So the case we're going to get into now, this is the one that I have the most information on because this is the one that gets him caught. Mm -hmm. This is the murder of Grace Budd. On May 25th, 1928, Fish saw a classified advertisement in the Sunday edition of the New York World that read, quote, Young man, 18, wishes position in the country, Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. So it's like a classified ad. I'm 18, strong guy, I'm looking for some work on a farm in the country. This is my name, this is my address, contact Mm -hmm. me if you're interested. Mm -hmm. On May 28th, Albert, who was... 58 years old at this time, he goes and he visits the Bud family in Manhattan under the pretense of hiring Edward. He later confessed that he planned to tie Edward up, mutilate him, and leave him to bleed to death. Fish actually introduces himself as Frank Howard, and he said that he was a farmer from Farmingdale, New York. He promised to hire Bud and his friend Willie and said that he would send for them in a few days. So while I'm talking about this, I'm probably going to use like Frank Howard and Fish or Mm -hmm. Howard and Fish interchangeably. Same person. Mm -hmm. He just told the Buds that his name was Frank Howard. Mm -hmm. So Fish failed to show up on the day that he originally said he was going to to pick up Edward and Willie. But he sent a telegram to the Bud family apologizing and set a later date for him to come and pick up Edward and his friend. Mm -hmm. When Fish arrived on June 4th, as he had promised, he came bearing gifts for all the Bud children and visited with the family over lunch. To the Buds, he seemed like a very typical, like, loving, like, grandfather type. They had no red flags about him at all. Fish had brought over cheeses and a pint of fresh strawberries. He had actually purchased these things at a German deli in a fruit stand, like, while he was walking to the Bud's residence. But he lied to them, and he said that they came from this farm that he had. He didn't have a fucking farm. Mm-hmm. He was living in, like, a shoebox apartment with... I don't know if at this time he was living... I don't think he was living with Albert at this time. He might have been, honestly. But he was living in a fucking shoebox apartment. He didn't have a goddamn farm. He was lying. Through his teeth. Mm. Um, on his way to the Bud residence, he had also been carrying what was described as, like, a compact parcel that was wrapped in a white and red striped, like, canvas fabric. When he stopped at a newspaper stand just a block away from the Bud residence, he really made a show of, like, fumbling. Because at this point, he's got his wrapped striped package. He's got the strawberries, and he's got, it's called pot cheese. Basically, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I don't really know how to describe it, but, like, the deli will like scoop it out for you and like put it in mm-hmm. like your own container for you and you eat it you know with like bread and crackers and mm-hmm. things like that so he's got this parcel he's got his pint of strawberries and he's got his pot cheese mm-hmm. and he goes to this newspaper stand and he really makes a show of like fumbling 
with all of the the items he's carrying. And the thing about Albert Fish is he looks a lot older than he is. Mm-hmm. So he's 58, but he is looking like he's in his late 60s. Damn. So the the newsie, like the newspaper seller, he's like, are you good? Like, can you carry all of that? Like, do you want any help? Mm-hmm. Um, and Albert Fish replies to him that he's not sure if he can if he can carry everything. And he asks the newsie if he could leave that red and white canvas wrap parcel at the newsstand and he would return for it later in the day. Um, the newsie agrees, takes the package. So Fish then goes and heads and continues on to the Bud residence. It was a few minutes before 11 when this Frank Howard, quote-unquote, knocked on the door of the Bud's ground floor apartment. The family had been to church that morning, as people at this time always did on Sundays. You're always going to church. Um, So Mr. and Mrs. Bud, um, they were still dressed, like, in their Sunday best. um, And they were just kind of hanging out in the living room, relaxing. They had literally, like, just gotten home. Um, Mrs. Bud answered the door. She greeted Frank warmly and introduced him to her husband, who coincidentally enough was also named Albert. Oh. Albert Bud. So this is Albert and Delia Bud are mm-hmm. the parents. Um, Albert Fish gave Mrs. Bud the strawberries and the cheese, and he even um, like while he went in, there was like the youngest daughter. Her name was Beatrice. She was sitting on the floor, and he like walks in, he like pats her on the head. And he, like, asked her in, like, a very, like, kind, like, grandfather way. He's like, oh, like, you like strawberries, don't you? And she kind of, like, shy, like, nods her head and, like, Mm -hmm. hides her face. Like, you know, the shy kid reaction. Mm -hmm. So he's coming off, like, very grandpa-like, like, like, grandfatherly, Mm -hmm. very charming, very nice, very sweet. Um... Mrs. Bud, she offers for him to stay for lunch. As she said, Edward, who he was supposedly there to pick up, Edward was out with some friends and wouldn't be returning home until noon, which would be like an hour later. Again, he got there like 11 o'clock. And Albert's like, of course, like, of course I'll stay for lunch. Like, Mm -hmm. there was no way he was leaving without, at this point, who he thinks is going to be Edward. Mm -hmm. Um, He then does something that Albert Bud recalls as having been somewhat odd. Like, in the moment, he didn't think it was weird, but after... Like, thinking about it. Yeah, recalling it, he's like, you know what, that was really, really strange. You remember, he was originally supposed to come get Edward a few days prior, but when he couldn't show up, he sent a telegram message Mm. saying he would come. He asks um, Albert Budd if Edward had thrown away that telegram note. And Albert Bud tells him, no, actually, it's sitting over there on mm-hmm. top of the mantelpiece. Mm-hmm. So what he does, what Fish does, is he gets up, he walks over to that mantelpiece, he plucks up the telegram note, and he puts it in his pocket. Alright, fucking weirdo. Um, it was on this day that, unfortunately, Albert Fish also meets Edward's younger sister, 10-year-old Grace Bud. Mm-hmm. As he sat down with the buds for lunch, they heard their front door open and they hear somebody walk in and she's like, she's like humming to herself. She's singing like a little, like a jaunty little tune, they say. They say a buoyant tune. Her voice was fragile mm-hmm. and bright. Like it's a, clearly a little girl singing a song as she's walking into her house. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they hear her walk in, Mrs. Bud goes, oh, that must be Gracie. And she calls her name and she like beckons her into the dining area where they're sitting and they're having lunch. Grace Bud was a beautiful little girl. Mm-hmm. She had, like, very pale complexion, which was pretty mm-hmm. befitting of, like, city kids. They didn't get a lot of sun because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, like... Mm-hmm. And her parents, mind you, are quite poor as well. Uh-huh. So she had that pale kind of city kid pallor. Um, but she had these big, 
like dark brown eyes mm-hmm. and her hair like she had it like it was the 1920s so she had her hair in like a little flapper bob it was Aww. so cute she was adorable and she was still dressed for church so she was in this like white silk dress that she had actually worn um for her communion that had been a month prior she had on silk stockings and these little like cute little like canvas like kid pumps like mm. little kid shoes mm-hmm. and she was wearing a string of like fake pearls Aww. she looked adorable um unfortunately the second grace walks into the room albert fish zeroes in on her mm-hmm. and his intentions immediately switch from kidnapping edward to yes. taking grace mm-hmm. so he actually beckons grace over to him and he like she comes over and at first he like kind of pets her hair and like like touches her arm and then he like beckons her to come and sit on his lap Ugh. He, like, kind of fishes into his pocket, and he pulls out, like, a stack of money, and he gives it to Grace, and he's like, you know, oh, like, are you good at counting? Like, why don't you count this money for me? So, this is, like, an ulterior motive for him, too, because he is, at this point, he's trying to prove to Delia and Albert Budd that he's... To trust him, and also that he's like a somewhat wealthy farmer, because mm-hmm. they again they think that he's taking Edward and Edward's friend to go work for him. Mm-hmm. So this is just all another show to him. So he gives Grace the money, she counts it for him. It came out to like ninety two dollars and some odd change, which is a fuck ton of money back in nineteen twenty. Yeah. Um, so after she counts, it, he's like, "Oh, you did such a good job." He pulls two quarters and he gives them to her, and he says, "Go buy some candy for you and your little sister." So Grace hops off his lap. He grab, she grabs Beatrice, and they leave the house. Mm-hmm. Not too long after this, Edward and his friend Willie come back home. Um, but Frank Howard, he tells them that he has some unexpected news. He couldn't actually take them to the job on his farm right then, as he had a birthday party for his niece to attend. He gave Edward and Willie a dollar each and told them to go see a movie. He'd be back later in the day to pick them up and take them to the farm. So the boys are like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah. So... Delia's like, no, 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 come here, eat lunch, like, eat before you leave. Mm. Um, so by the time that they were finished, like, they peace out, they're gonna go meet up with their friends. Mm. And by this time, Grace and Beatrice had also returned from getting their candy. It's at this point that Albert Frank, quote unquote, gets up from his seat and he says, oh, it's, I gotta go, I have this party to get to. And he, like, makes, like, he's leaving, and then he pauses. Like, he just remembered something, something just popped into his head. And he turns to Mr. and Mrs. Bud, and he proposes that perhaps Grace would like to spend the day with him and go to his niece's birthday party. His niece was just about her age, and there would be plenty of other children at this place for Grace to play with. Mm. He assured the Buds that he would have Grace home no later than 9 o'clock. Initially, Mr. and Mrs. Bud found themselves kind of reluctant, but they were also in a pretty delicate position because they're they're poor. Mm-hmm. The reason Edward is looking for a job is because this family is poor. Mm-hmm. And so the position they're in is they're like, and he just clearly, to them, he just showed them that he's fucking rich. He just pulled $92 out of his mm-hmm. pocket. He just keeps that on him. Mm-hmm. So they're thinking, if we offend him, by insinuating that we can't trust him with our daughter, mm. is he going to t- rescind the offer to have Edward and Willie come work for him? Right. 
So Mrs. Bud does hesitate for a moment, her and her husband, you know, like when you kind of like have a conversation with somebody with their, with your eyeballs. Mm -hmm. So they have one of those little moments. Um, but before she can speak up, Mr. Bud, he kind of clears his throat and he says, quote, let the poor kid go. She's always cooped up here in this dungeon. She don't see much good times. So it's a very like sad Mm -hmm. situation because he thinks that his daughter is just going to get to go to a birthday party. And, and she ends up dead. And she, they literally never get her back. So Frank, he gives the Buds the address of his sister's home. He tells them it's at 137th Street and Columbus Avenue. And then he takes Grace's hand and he walks out the door. What the Buds didn't know at the time was that he had given them a fake address. By the time they found out, it was already too late. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Bud, she actually watched Frank and Grace walk down the street together um, before they rounded a corner, and that was the last time she ever saw her daughter. Um, before they could set off to the train station, Albert said to Grace, I have to make a quick little stop. So he goes to that corner, 14th Street and 9th Avenue, where he retrieves that canvas wrapped bundle that he had left with the Newsy earlier. Um, he thanks the Newsy for watching it. He takes Grace's hand, they continue on their way, and now Albert has Grace's hand in one of his, and he's got this package held in his other hand. Um, Unbeknownst to poor Grace, wrapped inside this package were a butcher's knife, a meat cleaver, and a small handsaw. Mm -hmm. These were Albert Fish's implements of hell. Mm. So... When Frank did not return with Grace at nine, like he'd initially promised the Buds, they got real anxious. They started to panic. The next morning, right away, um, Delia sends Edward to the police department to go and report his sister missing. A short time later, Lieutenant Samuel Dribben and three of his men, Detectives Jerry Mayhar, James McGee, and James Murphy, they arrived at the Bud's apartment where they questioned the distraught couple closely about Frank Howard, the man who had taken their daughter. It was Lieutenant Dribben that informed the Buds that the address that Frank Howard had given them, 137th in Columbus, did not exist. So... It just didn't go that far. Mm. Like, there was no intersection of those two streets. I think Columbus Avenue stopped, like, blocks and blocks away from where 137th would have been. Mm. Um, So they immediately start launching a search to find Grace. Detectives tried using even, like, the DMV to find Frank's Howard address. Mm. And others attempted to trace that telegram that Howard had sent to the Buds. And this is when Albert, he recalls Him him taking it. And he's like, you know what? That was really weird. Mm-hmm. And he, like, relays this to the police. And, you know, they're thinking, because when you send a telegram, I think it has, like, the address of where it's going and where it came from. Mm-hmm. So he took it because he didn't want them to have his address. He didn't mm-hmm. want them to know the sender of it. Mm-hmm. So it was smart that he did that because he took, mm-hmm. you know, he took something that could have been traced back to him. Yeah. yeah. So the news of Grace's abduction broke the day after that. Um, the public, they felt like a pretty heavy sense of deja vu because Grace's disappearance was so similar to that of Billy Gaffney that went missing just a year prior. Mm-hmm. 
Police were able to locate information for a Frank Howard that had lived and owned a small farm in Farmingdale, New Jersey. And so they thought, oh, this is our guy. Like, Farmingdale, Frank Howard, we got him. Um, But that lead was very quickly dashed when they got in touch with Frank's niece, who had informed them that her uncle had died 10 years prior. So, dead end immediately. (laughs) On Tuesday, June 5th, police... literally a dead end. Literally a dead end. He's fucking dead. On Tuesday, June 5th, police at the West 20th Street Precinct received a frantic call from one of the Bud's neighbors, um, a woman named Juliet Smith, who reported that an elderly man had just attempted to lure her 10-year-old son Arthur into a tenement hallway. Within a short time, several officers arrived on the scene and quickly arrested 59-year-old Joseph Slowey of 86 8th Avenue on a charge of impairing the morals of a minor. That's an interesting charge. Impairing the morals. <laughs> Pretty of sure it does not exist today. <laughs> so they took Slowey to the station house. They interrogated him, and he did admit that he had approached the boy, though he denied having harmed him or intending to or having intended to harm him in any way. Which I don't know why the fuck else you're luring a kid into an alleyway, but okay, mm-hmm. dude. Um, as for his involvement in the Bud case, Slowey was so clearly ignorant of the crime that. You know, There's the police, no way. exactly, they would have loved to be like, oh, we have a suspect in custody, we got him, but he clearly had, like, no idea of anything, like, he was like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, so he was very quickly discounted on as a suspect. Grace's disappearance was huge news, and the buds soon began receiving dozens of crude handwritten letters and postcards from people taunting them mm-hmm. about their missing daughter. Why would you do that? Because people... Ha- are and have always been fucking trolls. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's the exact same people that, like, do this shit on social media today that were doing this shit in the fucking 1920s. Probably their ancestors. Literally. People have their always great, great grand been happy. fucking trolls. <laughs> like, literally. They would, like, they would, like, write letters, like, saying that she was, like, probably being, like, chopped up in pieces oh and, like, God. all it's really, they were really fucking crude and nasty and, like, oh these poor God. parents are just trying to find their fucking daughter and these people are sending them these horrific, crude, terrible letters and postcards. Um, So, because the leads are drying up, they're continuously trying to track down every Frank Howard they could possibly find, but every single one is fruitless. It's coming to a dead end. So it's at this point that they come to the, what I think a pretty, pretty fucking obvious conclusion is that he gave them a fake name. There was no Frank Howard. There was no 20 acre farm. Like he fucking lied. There's no way that his plan was to abduct somebody and he's going to give you real information. 110%. The other thing I find very funny is like, you know, say he, like, never saw Grace. His intention was to take Edward and Willie, mm-hmm. who were two perfectly able-bodied, strong 18-year-old boys. And this man is a frail-ass fucking fit. What was he gonna do <laughs> with them? He didn't take Billy Beaton, theoretically, a three-year-old boy, because he thought he couldn't handle a four-year-old and a three-year-old. But he's gonna take two 18-year-olds who are gonna freak the fuck out when they realize you didn't oh, take no, them to a farm? We are you. We are being Yeah, like, up. what the fuck I'm did he... Here. Like, what did he think he was gonna do? Oh. <laughs> they would've beat his ass, dude. It's, oh, it's so fucking unfortunate that, like, Grace just... Happened to happen. Was, yeah, happened to be home. Like, if she would've stayed out playing with her friends... Mm-hmm. And he would have never seen her, mm-hmm. and he would have just 
taken Edward and Willie. Like he was, they probably would, they would have beat his fucking ass. Mm-hmm. That would have beat his ass. That would have been the end of that motherfucker. So um, there was also another promising lead that came in the form of 66-year-old um, Superintendent Charles Edward Pope. On September 5th, 1930, Pope was arrested as a suspect in Grace's disappearance after he was accused by his estranged wife. Um, he spent 108 days in jail between his arrest. He was put on trial in December of 1930, where he was found not guilty because there was no evidence to connect him to it. Um, he just pissed off his estranged wife and she accused him of murdering Grace Bud. And the police were like, okay, and fucking put him on trial for it. They were so, this is like definitely a case where they're just desperate to have somebody and say, we got him, but it was the wrong fucking man. Um, so we're going to jump six years later now. So it's November of 1934. And this is when another anonymous letter gets delivered to the Bud residence. And this is the letter that ultimately leads the police to Albert Fish. Mrs. Bud, she was actually illiterate and she couldn't read. So she Great. gives the letter to Edward and she has Edward read it to her. Mm-hmm. This letter described in grotesque and disturbing detail how the author had murdered and eaten Grace Bud six years prior. An excerpt from this letter reads, quote, on Sunday, June the 3rd, 1928, I called on you at 406 West 15th Street, brought you pot cheese and strawberries. We had lunch. Grace sat in my lap and kissed me. I made up my mind to eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party. You said, yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all of my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked. How she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death and cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook it, and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have had I wished she died a virgin. So this letter immediately is investigated. Because what this letter has that no other lead they've tried to investigate is those specific details. Mm -hmm. The strawberries, the pot cheese, the birthday party, like their fucking address Mm -hmm. of their house. They're like, this is the... Sat on his lap, kissed him. Sat on his lap, kissed him. Like, this is... Him. The guy. Mm -hmm. This is him. 110% this is him. I just feel so fucking bad, like, for... They get these, like... This is six years after their daughter has gone missing. You know that these parents are still holding out some sort of hope that their little girl is going to come back alive. Mm -hmm. And then they got this fucking letter. And Edward has to stand there and read it out loud to his illiterate mother. Mm -mm. There's a portion of this letter that I didn't include the excerpt, which where he like he begins it off talking about this fucking story he had about this man that he knew that was like in Hong Kong in like the eight 
eight, oh my god, late 1800s, and he was saying, oh, they were so poor in Hong Kong that they resulted to eating child meat. And I met this man, and he told me all about how he had had child meat, and how it was the best thing he'd ever tasted, and how he had, like, murdered kids and eaten them before. And he's like, I just, from that point, was so tempted. I had to eat child meat. He's like, the first time I tasted it, it was so good. And that's why when he's like, when Grace kissed him, he didn't say I had to kill her. He said I had to eat her. So... The part of the letter concerning the murder of Grace, like I said, was found to be accurate in its description of the kidnapping and subsequent events, although it was impossible to confirm whether or not Albert Fish had actually ever eaten any parts of Grace's body. Mm -hmm. It was this letter, like I said, that would finally lead police to the man behind Grace's murder, as well as that of Francis McDonald and Billy Gaffney 10 and 7 years earlier. So at this point... I'm not going to get into this because this is where I'm going to end part one. Mm-hmm. Um, in part two, we're going to talk about exactly what in that letter is the clue that leads them to Albert Fish. But I need to stop this here because, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. So, yeah, part two, we'll actually talk about, like, how he's captured um, all the other shit he admits to, his trial, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, that was part one of Albert Fish, and it was just as fucking horrible as I anticipated for it to be. Yeah. Like, writing these things down versus saying them out loud, it's like, there's like a disconnect. Yeah. I'm like, "Mm, this isn't that bad, and then I say it out loud, and I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever fucking heard in my life. Like, this is literally terrible. This is literally terrible. The fact that he was actually a human being. I know. Like, he's fucking disgust. Like, this is levels of depravity that it's like, how is somebody capable of this? And, like, the fucking thing that, like, gets me about him, too, is, like, let's say he obviously fucking murdered children, so you're disgusting, horrible piece of trash as is. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's the fact that he's going so in-depth to, like, talking about, like, cannibalizing these children, cutting up their fucking bodies... And yet, it's never been proven if he actually did it or not. So he could literally just be straight up, like, lying about being a fucking cannibal. Literally. Like, dude, you're already gonna fry for the fact that you raped and murdered children, but, like, you have to add in that you ate them because you get your fucking willies off with that. He's so fucking gross, dude. And you're old as hell. Dude, he's nasty. Like, he He just... Crusty, dusty. He literally... Fucking crusty. Uh, custy. 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 He is custy. If you were to look up the definition of custy, it's a picture of Albert fucking Fish. Custy. custy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got that off another podcast. I heard somebody say it. Damn. I'm like, damn, that's a good word. And Ralph, Ralph is chewing the tree. the tree. Oh my god. He's. Did that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am so over Ralph trying to eat my Christmas tree, you guys, because he's been chewing. It's a fake tree, and he's been chewing off the little plastic needles, and then he just fucking pukes them up. And then I gotta clean a pile of vomit with fucking Christmas tree bitties in it. Burb is under the tree. Burb. Christmas burb. She's Christmas burb. She's a Christmas bird. Evil Christmas She's bird. She's a Christmas bird. Remember Christmas Goyle? She's either yes. gonna bite you or bring you gifts. Mm-hmm. Sometimes oh, both. Hello. Sometimes both. Christmas Goyle. I'm glad the cats give us some levity to end this on, because I don't know how the fuck else to rest. 
something like this. If you're still here, God bless. Thank you. And I will say once again, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Back for part two, though. (laughs) Yeah, please come back for part two. Part two will, I promise, be not as bad as part one. There's no more murders to talk about in, in, uh, in, in part two. So, at least there's that. Great. At least there's that. Great. There's that saving grace. Mm. <sighs> well, if you guys made it this far, thank you for listening. Um, go follow us on Instagram at TSRH Podcast. Go check out our merch if, if you like buying something. I think they look pretty rad, if I'm being honest. They look pretty I'm cool. I'm wearing one right now. Yeah, I'm about to order me some more because I want Same. some more. I need me I a, some more. a gym tee. I need to give me like an XXL. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. We got those. We got, and the thing too, we got multiple colors. I think I made it, I did it in like black, dark gray, like a dark navy, and some of them even have like a nice, like kind of like light aqua blue color. Mm. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um,. You can go on the Facebook page if you want to. If Instagram's not your thing, you can like us on Facebook. That's at TSRH Podcast. You can send us an email if you want to chat. TSRH Podcast at gmail.com. Honestly, I'm probably more likely to answer a DM on Instagram than I am to, you know, send or answer an email. But, I mean, no one's emailed us yet, so we'll see. Um, if you guys have case recommendations, if you guys want to tell some stories about some weird shit that's happened in your life before, we love those kind of things. We still have to do that one recommendation. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That is definitely on my list. I will do that. Um, well, what else? Oh, if you like this podcast, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That really helps us. We would love it. Leave us a comment on the Instagram post. Talk to us. Chat with us. I want to hear from you guys. But, yeah, we'll probably, uh, this is, we're recording on Thursday. This episode is going to drop um, on Friday. So, Friday the, uh, fuck, 16th. This episode will drop, and then we'll probably record part two next week, Thursday, and that episode will drop next week, Friday. Right before Christmas. So stay on your toes, babies, because part two is going to come a week after this episode, and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. But anyways. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Autumn, you got anything else to say to the people? Not a goddamn thing. Not a goddamn thing. Well, thanks everybody for being here. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.